Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 412 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, August 13th, and I am joined, as I usually am, by my friend, Scott Coleman. Scott, how are you on this Sunday evening in the wake of the Braves winning a series by 30, yes, 30 combined runs and yet not sweeping the series? Hey, Brad, when I look back on the season a few months ago, I think everybody had this weekend in New York circled very prominently on their calendars and while the games of course mean something for the Braves I mean the Mets were I mean they're that is just a dead team walking I know they won on Sunday night which is a bummer but uh to go into City Field and just beat down the Mets for at least three out of the four and almost completed the sweep on Sunday uh, was a lot of fun so overall a a busy week of baseball the Braves came out just fine and Now they get to go home for almost two full weeks, which is going to be a nice boost. Yes. And uh, if you are a new listener, first of all, welcome aboard. We appreciate you checking out the podcast today. Uh, But we'll dive into the week that was. It was a very busy week for the Braves with eight games in seven days. But overall, before we get into some more specifics, they go five and three over the course of the week. And uh, despite some of the consternation in some circles, the Braves still lead the National League East by 11 games, even after a loss tonight. Uh, I have a stat for you, Scott. Even if the Braves were to go a pretty ugly 22-23 and 23 over the last 45 games, so basically 500 ball, but even going more negative than that, the Phillies would have to go 32-11 and 11 to tie for the National League East title. Uh, that does not seem likely to me. I'm not saying it's impossible because I'm. I, I've we have steadfastly, we have steadfastly said the last couple of months we've gone out of our way to say the National League East is not over because it isn't. But nope. I'm just laying it out there: 11 games in the middle of August is in a pretty good position. Yeah, a good position. There are. I mean, I think the Phillies actually have the second most wins in baseball since the start of June. They're playing so very well. We're, we're talking two and a half months at this point. The Phillies have been better than everyone except the Braves, who I think have three or four more wins than Philadelphia does in that time span. Um, You know, really, it was kind of similar to last year where the Mets had a tremendous record as well from June 1st on. It was just the Braves basically had four months where they played nearly perfect baseball, of course, won the division. And thankfully, this time around, the NL East is significantly wider in the standings than it was a year ago where it felt like the Braves had to win just about every night in order to win the division. Uh, You mentioned the 11, 12 game lead in the loss column. Uh, So yeah, it it seems likely that we're heading towards a sixth straight division. Uh, And really is, as we've said, I think for a couple of weeks now, you just really want to keep your eyes down the road and sure you don't want to go through a stretch where you lose a bunch of games, but but keep guys healthy, keep winning ballgames as the team has done, despite what you might see on Twitter or uh, on X, I guess. uh, (laughs) The team is just fine and and continuing to win games at a really strong pace. Yes, and we'll come back to some of the frustrations from the Pirate series in a minute, but just want to lead off the top with, you know, still number one in baseball and record, number one in run score, number one in run differential, everything's just fine. And uh, I will say, just as a, a quick note, to not have it be entirely... Uh, Sunshine and Rainbows at the top. The lead is down to four games in the National League because the Dodgers are suddenly red hot. They've won 12 of the last 13. So uh, they're 
might be an actual battle for the number one seed in the National League. So keep an eye on the Dodgers. They're all, that, that moral enemy continues to lurk, and they look like the Dodgers again, unfortunately, for all parties. But anyway, talk about that more later on. Uh, I'll say this now, Scott. Unless you are dying to touch on every single aspect of the Pirate series, we'll do a little bit of it because we have to. But uh, I will just say now, as a plug for our podcast network, our friends Sean Coleman, Stephen Tolbert, and Chris Willis covered that series in depth. So if you want more depth on the Pirate series, it is there for you. But overall, the Braves split a four-gamer in Pittsburgh 2-2. And if that's all I told you, Scott, it wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be great, but it wouldn't be so bad. Uh, I was traveling this week. I was watching and keeping tabs, but I wasn't quite as dialed as, as I often am because when I was at home anyway, you would have thought the Braves got swept and lost every game by 10 runs. Unfortunately, they split the series, and it wasn't perfect, and we have some bad numbers and all that stuff. But uh, overall, it was not quite as disastrous as it maybe could have been other than one area, which is starting pitching, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit here. But uh, what was your uh, general mood for the four days between Monday and Thursday? Yeah, I think my big takeaway is just how inconsistent the starting rotation has been. It was downright awful against the Pirates, and the Pirates are not a very good team. Uh, So the the starting pitching, it's kind of crazy. You have the number here over four games The four starting pitchers for the Braves tossed a total of 16 and two-thirds innings. And that included both starts from Freed and Strider, which is wild. Um, You know, thankfully, the bullpen was good. The offense was has been fine. I mean, really, the whole way, the offense has not been a problem at almost any point this season. Um, The starting rotation, as, as I think listeners know well, has been a bit Jekyll and Hyde lately, and we should probably dig into that a bit, but... Now, the Pirates played the Braves tough, and I think that's something we're going to see over these final six or seven weeks of the season, where even when the Braves are playing teams who are not in the playoff race, I think Atlanta has really become a measuring stick type of organization for for teams. And I mean, the Pirates were out there playing hard every single night. Their manager was, I mean, the Pirates manager was out there managing. He, he <laughs> was bringing in lefties in the fifth inning and doing double switches. And I mean, he was, uh, the pirates were out there to win. Um, That's not always the case for teams who are out of it this time of year. You can just tell that some clubs have phoned it in, but Pittsburgh played Atlanta tough and uh, sure. You'd like to win three out of four of them, but going two and two really is not the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, ERA over 11 for a starters and you don't lose the series. That in itself is kind of a testament to the rest of your team. Um, the offense was actually really good despite having like not the most timely hitting in the series. They had, they scored 25 runs in four games. That's usually enough to get you a series win. And they, uh, they slugged almost 500 as a team. They had a 136 WRC plus. It's kind of funny. The Braves, I pulled this, they were the second best team in baseball in WRC plus for the four days. And they went two and two. <laughs> usually you're going to win more often than that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, when you're, when you're suddenly just in a hole after, Every time someone pitches start a game, uh, the bullpen was actually good in the series. It was just everything uh, focused on the starting pitching. And that's what we'll talk about here, I guess, now. I mean, obviously, I'll I'll say this. We could spend time if you want to on these guys. I am not worried in any way, shape, or form about Strider or Freed. They were both not very good this week. But did you have – I mean, sorry, in that series, did you have any concern about those two guys or can we just move on? (laughs) No, not really. I mean, Strider was rolling along. It was a couple of innings. Yeah. And then I think he gave up seven hits or walks in a row, like in a blink of an eye. And all of a sudden he was out of the game. It's kind of wild. Um, Thankfully, Strider bounced back really nicely over the weekend. And um, Max, I mean, there was an inning where I don't know if a ball actually left the infield and Max gave up two runs. It was funny. So, you know, it was just one of those games. I mean, really, it was kind of the, the Pittsburgh series to me kind of felt like a continuation of the Cubs series where the Braves really didn't play that poorly. They just had some sequencing go against them and maybe some bad, bad luck on balls put in play. Um, but no, I mean, Freed and Strider, unless they just come on a stretch where they are really struggling for multiple starts at a time, my concern level is is basically zero. Yeah, and Strider later on the week, which we'll come back to, uh, was awesome. So I, I don't worry really at all about either of them. But uh, the rest of everyone was, uh, you know, not great. Uh, let's just do the Yanni Chirinos thing now. 
because even as I, I posted sort of the, the teaser of the podcast as we were starting the show on Twitter and the first response was uh, about how it was the worst uh, Anthopolis acquisition of all time. People are very mad at Yandrinos right now. Uh, and I, I mean, he's 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 not very good, Scott. I think we already kind of knew that. We talked about it a little bit in recent weeks. He, he was not good in a win on Tuesday. And then tonight he faced admittedly a third time through the order and I don't really know why he stayed in for at least one batter uh, as long as he did after the first walk. But anyway, his, his numbers are not good. He doesn't strike anybody out. Uh, there's lots of people pining for a DFA of Ryan Chirinos. I, I want to know where uh, your temperature is on him right now, because I think he is, it's kind of the lowest hanging fruit because obviously there's not really a huge investment there. There are other options, uh, you know, unlike guys like Morton and Elder, there really have not been any highs for Chirinos. So like, I don't know, man, are you, are you ready to, Cut bait like everybody else is? Uh, yeah, I think so. He was a truly a no-risk addition. And while there was not much of a ceiling, he at least brought some stability to the rotation. But through three starts, I mean, I, I'm pretty discouraged. The stuff is not great. He actually, even though the fifth inning unraveled on Sunday night, I actually thought he pitched decently well against the Mets. Yeah, but, he he was better tonight. I will I will agree with you there. I mean, are, you might be giving the cap. The Mets lineup is not very good right now. No, no, and, and it's tough to just have a guy in your rotation where you are automatically avoiding him the third time through. Uh, for most starters, sure, going through a lineup a third time is difficult. Numbers tend to get worse, uh, and all of that. But for Trinos, I just I just don't see it, man. It's a bummer that he, you know, he does not have options. So unless he somehow gets through waivers, I, I guess there's a world where the Braves could uh, stash him somehow. But I think someone would probably take a shot. But because you have a couple of guys in AAA who have been throwing the ball well, uh, we saw a really nice start uh, from Alan Winans on Saturday. Mike Soroka had a really nice start with Gwinnett as well. I just think it's probably time to move on. And you know, sure, Torinos was not horrendous, but I think you can probably aim a little bit higher than what he's giving you right now. Yeah, and I, I think people know that listen to the podcast regularly. I mean, I'm I almost try to actively not be reactionary, um, and I, I think I'm I'm kind of all set right now. It it won't enrage me like it will other people if they don't move on right now. If that makes sense, like I, I can at least form an argument to give him another chance because they still have some some questions like I don't suddenly believe that Alan Winans is like awesome um but I do think that if I had to choose one of those guys to pitch four days from now it would not be Yanni Chirinos so that's kind of where I am Soroka same thing like he, he had a great start this week in Gwinnett that's that's good to see from him I'm not convinced there either but I do think there are better, better options and uh, you know I, I I think it was Steven talked about this on the podcast this week Trinos has options, but he has enough service time where he has to approve a dip to the minors, which he may not do. So that would be maybe they are be forced to move on from him like via DFA if he's not willing to go to Winnet. Um, I would at least try to keep him in the organization for depth purposes because, yeah. you know, that's just what you do. But uh, I think if it's a choice between DFA and uh, keep him in the in the rotation every five days, I probably would choose DFA. I don't know. It's not that clean of a choice for me, but that's where I'd be yeah. I mean, this is how I kind of see it. If game seven of the World Series was tomorrow <laughs> and I had to rank all of these starting pitchers who have made starts for the Braves this year, who are healthy in one through, you know, whatever, one through 12, I think Chirinos would be behind Soroka, A.J. smith Shaver, Winans. Yes. I mean, you, you go down the list. Um, and then you also potentially have Kyle Wright coming back for depth in September. And I think that's a pretty big question mark. Maybe we should talk about Kyle as well at some point. But I, I guess that's my roundabout way of saying something would have to go very, very, very weirdly for the Braves to truly need Trinos, even if an injury or two happened, even if they want to give guys a breather. You know, I think there is enough depth with the eight or nine guys available. I just, you know, I, I think you can and should move on if, if at all possible. And as I said a few minutes ago, if there is a world to sneak him to Gwinnett, then great, you take the depth. But if it means they have to cut ties completely, I will not lose sleep over it, to be sure. I want to attribute this to some, I think it was Grant McCauley, front of the podcast, 
um he mentioned uh, that Torinos has actually been a reliever at times maybe there's a world in which like he becomes kind of a long man for you i'm not saying that's um gonna happen anytime soon but like he's i don't think he is a total zero in the way that maybe fans are seeing him just because like i, I can see beyond the lot the handful of starts and like in his he has pretty recent pedigree of being a pretty good pitcher so like i don't think he's like totally nothing so maybe that's another angle they could explore in September, like having him be kind of a two inning long man kind of thing. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to be generous. Uh, we'll see at this point, but <laughs> I will not be surprised if we wake up tomorrow and he's not yeah. on the team anymore. Uh, yeah. But you know, we'll see. Um, the other guy who is not uh, freed or strider in that series that pitched was Bryce elder who pitched on Thursday. Uh, he gave up five runs. He was not great. Again, uh, he got, <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, I think we have a reputation of picking on Bryce Elder a little bit, and I think that's probably not fair. But anyway, uh, I'm going to defend him a little bit on this one. I don't know about you. you. Uh, He should not have pitched the sixth inning on Thursday, and that's not his fault. Uh, And and I I think that in a normal context, he wouldn't have probably pitched, but because of all of the, you know, eight games in seven days thing, uh, they try to get an extra inning out of him, and that didn't work out very well. Yeah, I think both Elder on Thursday and Chirinos on Sunday were victims of the schedule where if they came out when they probably should have their lines would have looked a whole lot better. And maybe the Braves win one, if not both of those games, but whenever you have to play eight games in a week and it's been a while, you really have not had a ton of days off. You know, it's a long season. I get it. I I haven't heard Brian Stitker's post game tonight after leaving Torino's in there, but I can almost guarantee you what he's going to say that they are trying to save the bullpen. This is very much the dog days of summer. Um, you know, Elder was okay on Thursday. You mentioned he got mauled in the sixth inning. He also was on a, a kind of a bad luck on a hit by pitch where the guy leaned his elbow over the plate and home plate umpire missed it. Uh, so it wasn't like he went out there and gave up five home runs and it's like, oh man, this is bad. Um, but nonetheless, again, it was a it was a difficult loss on Thursday afternoon and it was just kind of more of the same for Elder, who has been in a funk lately. And whether or not folks think that's fair, uh, you know, our criticisms of that is fair. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. Uh, it would really be nice to see Elder or Charlie Morton, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, <laughs> for one of those two guys to figure it out and get back on track. Because as things currently go, uh, you feel good about Freed, you feel good about Strider, and then you're kind of closing your eyes and hoping for the best right now with the other options. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said about El- I think Elder pitched better in that game until he didn't in the sixth. And again, I don't think that's really his fault. Um, but you know, look, the numbers are the numbers, like you said, dating back to the beginning of June. So, you know, two plus months, his ERA in that span is over five, his FIP is over five. Um, in more recent days, I believe it's his last six starts. His ERA is 7.94. It has been uh, pretty rough for Bryce. Uh, so we'll see if that continues. I, again, you could see some more positive signs from that start if you want to find them on Thursday. But uh, he is a guy that I think I, I'm not super comfortable, super comfortable with. Um, obviously, he I still feel better about him than I do about like Chirinos. But it's not like uh, he's in that. I, I still think that I would lean to Morton of those two. But as we'll talk about, as you artfully teased a second ago, we'll talk about Charlie and a, a literally a, I would say an objectively hilarious start from Charlie Morton on Friday. Historic. We'll even it was, one, might, one might call it historic, historic, hilarious. I don't know what to make of it. All those things are appropriate. Um, before we move on those guys, anything else you want to talk about in the Pittsburgh series? Cause again, we've done four or five podcasts on this topic on this network, but uh, I'm kind of all set. They, they didn't, they didn't pitch well and they split the series. My only other thought is I really need to get to PNC Park for a game. I know there were quite a few Braves fans who were there this week, and it just looks like a beautiful stadium. Um, I have not been. Brad, have you been? It's a little bit closer for you than me. It is closer to me, but no, I have not been. I have seen it from the outside. I've not been inside. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I agree everyone with you. Knows, everyone loves it. Yeah, everyone has been as firmly in the top, you know, top five or so of parks. and um, Looks good. But, yeah, to wrap it up, Two and two. Uh, Of course, you want to win the series, but not the end of the world. And as we talked about, whenever the starting pitching just kind of randomly craters on you like that, (laughs) a lot of teams would not overcome an 11 
ERA in four games from their starting pitchers. Uh, but the Braves do because they have a crazy lineup and, um, you know, some good base running mentioned, uh, you know, one of the comeback wins, Michael Harris had a great oh, moment yeah. where he, he tagged up on a pop fly to shallow right field and scored. I mean, that was a nice win. Um, and even again, it's kind of been the theme, you know, even when the Braves lost, they lost by one run and then they lost by two runs and then they lost on Sunday night by one run. I think that's just a sign of a really good ball club of sure. You're not going to win every night, but when you're in the game every single night, that just speaks volumes to the talent and the depth here. I totally agree with that. And uh, spoiler alert for the second half of this podcast, the Braves starting pitching was much better over the weekend, even when you factor in the hilarity of Charlie Morton. So without further delay, we'll hear from our sponsors now and we'll come back, talk about Morton, talk about the historic margins in the Mets series and much more. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Scott, let us begin by just not laughing at the Mets, but uh, I tease it at the very, very top of the podcast. The Braves won three out of four games this weekend. I think people listening to this podcast will know that. They outscored the New York Metropolitans by a margin of 40 to 10. And the first three games of the series, it was 34 to three. That's not a misprint. That's not a joke. Yeah. 34 yeah. to three. And to do it in city field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the road. I should, yeah. Good point. On the road. Uh, they're obviously not, I mean, I will say they weren't trying. They're obviously professional athletes. They're, they're not, not trying. The Mets are both hurt and uh, depleted and they traded guys and their offense is pretty bad at this point in time, all those things. But I mean, you don't, we're big, we're big proponents on this podcast of just like pointing out the randomness of baseball and like you don't beat anybody this badly over three games. It could be the Rockies, like pick the worst team in the league. You would never expect anything like this over three games. Um, and even then, like even like you said, they lost Sunday by one run. That is a more like appropriate baseball result, uh, even though the Braves are the better team than what happened in the first two days because that, I mean it really was hilarious and we'll talk about Morton too but just the margins Saturday's first game is of course the uh the prime example of that but it was a wild two game stretch sorry two day stretch yeah it was and I mean the Mets are just a nightmare right now um, we talked I think a week or two ago about Max Scherzer's comments about the front office and really just throwing them under the bus publicly um, I don't know if you've seen this or if listeners have have seen the reporting about an, an anonymous Mets player went to one of the newspapers and was talking about the bad clubhouse vibes and that Scherzer and Verlander kind of hated each other and Verlander was a pain to be around and <laughs> oh, always Mets. kind of uh, kind of had Big Brother syndrome with the, his time with the Astros and felt like the Mets analytics and front office departments were underperforming and causing i mean it's just a i mean it is a legitimate dumpster fire so from the outside it's been a lot of fun to watch um just a i mean just a complete and total butt whooping on friday saturday and sunday i mean even the mets there was a great number great stat that came out so after saturday night's doubleheader so the braves won game one 21 to three they (laughs) won game two six to nothing so that's 27 to 3, only one away, Brad. Oh, and uh and then 7 and 0 on Friday night. So um that is 34 to 3 in terms of run differential. 
And someone pulled this stat that it was the worst run deficit in three games in New York Mets franchise history of 31 runs in the history of the New York Mets. They go back a long ways. They have never lost three games by 31 runs. Uh, So indeed a historic weekend for the Mets. And um, I mean, their lineup isn't horrendous. They still have some dudes at the top who are very talented, but I mean, just the rest of that team is, is, uh, just not there. Yeah, I, I kind of want we, we, we could do a, an entire show just making fun of the Metropolitans because it is fun. Um, we should talk about the games because Friday was a weird one. I, I got to be honest. We teased that a couple times now. Charlie Morton had one of the weirdest starts of all time. And I, I tweeted during the start that uh, it's a good thing, basically, that Charlie is 175 years old because I think it was very apparent to everyone, including us, and I think including Charlie, that he didn't have it on Friday uh, very quickly. I think he was not hitting spots at any point, really, in the start. I guess you could charitably argue that he got a little bit better later in the start, but man, he had no command at all. He walked seven guys in five innings. Uh, this is, I'll just throw it out there. The first Brave to walk at least seven guys in five shutout innings since Damian Moss, who I remember. Do you remember Damian Moss, wow. Scott? It's that been a while. A tremendous uh, throwback. Yes, I do. Yeah, 2002, and Moss threw seven innings. So it's not quite as bad to have seven walks when you throw seven innings compared to five. So Morton had – he was even weirder. He threw less than half of his pitches were strikes. I mean, the entire thing was just – you know, I, I, of course, am a defender of Charlie Morton, and I will always point out he's not been he's been pretty good this year. Uh, he was not good on Friday. Like, uh, it was very obvious. Again, I think to him as well that he he just didn't have it. But uh, I guess you just face the Mets and you can get by with Cunningham Guile because he was he just had nothing, and it was it was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a miracle that the New York Mets did not score. Uh, they were zero for twelve with runners in scoring position. That'll do left- it. 14 runners on base. Um, Another great stat, the Mets on Friday night became the only team in the modern era to collect seven hits and draw nine walks in a nine-inning game but not score a single run. Oh, Lordy. Opta stats had that number. Nice. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, I don't think Charlie had any idea where the ball was going. He didn't. It was, I mean, it was, look, we we love, I mean, I I love Charlie. He was, he was bad. He was bad in that game. Well, and, you know, he is, he is 40 years old in about two months. And it looks like Father Time is at the door and has a key and is turning the doorknob. Right. I mean, that's kind of my takeaway. Um, Looking at Charlie's numbers across the board here. Uh, his strikeout rate, which is still fine, but currently his strikeout rate is the lowest it has been in a full season since he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2015. Uh, he has the highest walk rate he has ever had since his rookie year with the Braves in 2008. Uh, his underlying numbers are, are getting worse seemingly by the, uh, by the start. His XFIP is up to 4.37, which is the worst number he's had basically in the last decade. So there are all kinds of warning signs. And I think at this point, man, I mean, you you have Charlie for the rest of the year and you need Charlie to be better than what he's been. I have been pounding the table for weeks now to give Chuck a breather and also Bryce Elder a breather. So far, they haven't done it. Maybe they will uh, try it out here soon to see to to see if two weeks off or even a week off gives these guys some help. But right now, man, it's just not very encouraging whenever Charlie's on the mound. Yeah, I can't remember. um, So I apologize. Somebody in Braves Twitter circles has been tracking uh, this this sort of three sets of stats where like he Morton was pretty bad early in the year and then had a fairly awesome stretch of like, I don't know, 12 stars, 15, 15 starts. And then since then it's been bad again. So like, I don't know if it is just him being worn down. And I, I do think that given the age, look, I, I know you're not saying this. I want to be very clear. I, I've, I got a, we got a tweet from somebody this last week. Like we're not saying that it's definitely because he needs a day off. Like, I tend to agree. Like we're definitely on the outside of this, but I can agree with Scott. Like because of his age, he seems to be a pretty natural candidate to be uh, 
just give a give a few extra, extra days to Charlie. But uh, his last, I'm looking at it now. His last five starts have not been very good. His first start after the All Star break was was very good, and since then it's been uh, pretty ugly. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just a badly timed fall off for an age perspective. Maybe it's variance. Maybe it's both. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's still striking out a decent, I mean, for the season, his K rates like still well over not like nine per nine. So yeah. it's not like it's bad, but the walk rates, the one that I, I mean, obviously that was the big thing on Friday is that he just could not figure out where the ball was going. Yeah. And I don't think most guys can't do that. And that includes Charlie. If you don't have command, you're not going to be able to be good enough, especially at his advanced age. So Maybe it's just like a tweak that he has to do, and he's been relatively upbeat about it. But yeah, I mean, only a couple more of those, and it'll be. I'm, we're already kind of worried. I think even I am worried as someone who has defended Charlie a lot. But uh, yeah, you kind of don't have any options. I, I do think that unlike someone like Chirinos or even like Elder, who just doesn't have the track record, like I, Morton would have to be so bad to not be pitching when it matters. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not saying it's going to be great. But I think that he has earned the benefit of the doubt and you don't really have a lot of other options. Like I, I saw someone saying that, you know, I'd much rather have Alan Wine than Charlie Morton. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to need to see that a lot more. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you're going to have to see, I'm going to have to see Charlie pitch terribly five more times in a row for me to consider not pitching him in a game that matters. Yeah. So, anyway. and, and maybe this is a good segue. Should we talk about the playoff schedule that was released? Because yeah, let's do that. Cause that, that's pretty interesting. Might help the, I mean, not might. I mean, it's going to help most teams in the league, but the playoff schedule, which was released this past week, looks like it's going to really benefit the Braves. Yeah. So it's not like it's, it's not, you know, constructed to help the Braves, but the fact that we've talked about this a, a lot, they don't have a lot of depth in the rotation. Um, the way that it lines up, and I, I pulled a lot of this from Fangraph, so I will uh, hat tip them, but there are just more days off. So in the NLDS, there could be as many as three days off now in the NLDS. I think we're all assuming the Braves are going to win the division. So if they do, again, if they do, they will have five days off after the season is over. Then the NLDS, they might have three days off in a single series. So you could, in theory, if that is the case, use either Strider or Freed in game one and game four on regular rest and then have the other one of them pitch game two and then maybe even come back in game five on three days rest. Then there have... Then they have two two travel days in the NLCS as well. So you never have more than three straight games without an off day. So long, long story short, like there are just more off days. And that means you don't need as many starting pitchers. And last year, uh, I believe this is correct. There were stretches in the playoffs of five straight games without an off day in the schedule because of the fact that there was the lockout, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Now they're on a regular schedule again. And look, like you alluded to a second ago, the Braves are not the only team that has this problem. But I think especially for a Braves team that we all understand has probably the best offense in the league and has two really good starting pitchers, this is kind of the exact setup that you would want. That doesn't guarantee anything, but if you only need three and a half starting pitchers, that probably helps the Braves. Yeah, definitely. And we all saw very well in 2021 during the World Series run, you know, you don't need a, a roster chock full of just incredible starting pitching to get there. I mean, Tucker Davidson started a World Series game. Dylan Lee. Lee. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan Lee started a World Series game, which is like a tremendous sports jeopardy question one day. Um, yeah, so it was encouraging. Again, if, if folks, it's kind of hard to explain how it lays out, I guess, verbally. but More more off days is all you need to know in between yeah, games. More off days and the idea that you could pitch Freed and Strider twice each in a five-game series at either full or fairly close to full rest is really good for the Braves. And I think other contenders around the national league probably feel similarly. Um, But for my money, if you have freed and strider healthy and rolling heads up against, I mean, I'll take those that pair against probably any other pair in the national league. I should really look at that. The Phillies have a great duo. If the Brewers can get healthy, they have a great duo. Uh, You know, the Dodgers have Kershaw, who is, of course, if he's right, just phenomenal. But overall, man, with this lineup and the, we'll call it shortened bullpen, and the, you know, the, those two guys in a short series, I'll take the Braves every day of the week. Yes, and also, again, like we're not saying this is definite, but if they win the division, having those five days to set the rotation and have everybody be fresh 
uh, is also very, very useful. So that doesn't uh, ensure anything, but it is a helpful thing that came out in the last few days. Um, we gave the numbers from Friday. So Saturday, it's just, I mean, it was comical. 27 to three over two games. The Braves scored 21 runs in the opener on Saturday, their first 20 game, sorry, 21 game since June 30th of 2021. And guess what, Scott? They played the Mets in that game too. Yeah. They have just, other than those first couple games last year, they have just completely and totally owned the Mets, which is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, can we talk about Matt Olson and Austin Riley for a second? Yeah, baby. Uh, so Matt Olson homered twice in the opener on Saturday and homered again tonight. Uh, he is the major league leader in home runs. Uh, he has 25 homers in the last 49 games, which uh, if you want to do a quick some quick math there, that's an 80-plus home run pace. Um, he's on pace now for 60, which is, again, 60 is not something you can fool with. The franchise record is 51. So that's that's insane. And then uh, as of today, I believe still is true. Olsen and Riley are 1-2 in the majors in home runs. That's the all-star break. And Riley has been um, kind of in the shadow of Olsen. But Riley, I pulled this number too. I believe this is coming into today. But there was like a stretch of, I don't even know how long it's been. Um, I'm looking at it now. What, what did I do with my numbers? Um Anyway, oh yeah, there is uh 23 game sample for Austin Riley. 12 home runs, six doubles, and an OPS of 12-23. And he's like the guy that's like not even in the spotlight because Matt Olson's out of yeah. his mind. <laughs> so yeah. those guys are just rake. And by the way, Ronald Acuna, MVP favorite. So how's that how's that top three treating you? Well, you and Ozzy Albies, yeah. who had a monster Saturday, you know, he went five for eleven with two homers two stolen bases. He actually picked up uh, half a war. So half he a win with, in one day. Yeah. yeah. Zero point five, half a war, half a win. Um, for folks who maybe don't know the war metric, that is crazy. I mean, if for reference, if you, uh, if you have a three war season, that means you're worth 0. 0.5 war each month for six months. I mean, that it speaks to how good Ozzy yeah. was. He had the big home run. I mean, he went upper deck at city field, to basically end the game on Saturday night. Um, so with those four rolling the way they are, Acuna, Ozzy, Riley, who's who's overlooked by Olsen, who I think now is going to be a very legitimate MVP candidate and get real consideration. Um, Ronald is still a heavy betting favorite, but man, I mean, you know there are some old-time baseball writers who – We'll see Matt Olson you know, presumably get 55 to 60 homers. He's going to lead the league in RBI as well. I mean, he is very deserving. And if it wasn't for Ronald, I think Matt would absolutely be one of the front runners for the award. Yeah, I tweeted it out. I think it was on Friday or Saturday, and I haven't updated it since then. But um, it, it is it is certainly funny in a number of different ways that the top three in National League MVP betting odds are Acuna, Freddie Freeman, and Matt Olson. That, that, that's just very funny. And so, like, just yeah. The irony is thick. Freddie, man, Freddie Freeman is having a phenomenal baseball. He's very, he's very good at baseball. So <laughs> unbelievably good for a dude who is 34, 35 years old. I mean, just, I mean, yeah, I'm happy for Freddie. I mean, it is... Yeah. As I would love to go back and listen to the podcast, the emergency podcast we did that day when the trade went down and then Freddie signed a few days later. Um, you know, I think our our general takeaway is that both organizations were going to be very happy at the end of the day. And uh, spoiler alert, they are both very happy with how this has gone. Yeah, I think we look okay on that one. I, I haven't listened to that podcast in quite some time, but I think our, our general take that it was a, a, a pretty good move given the circumstances uh, looks pretty good right now. But yeah, I, I don't think that Olsen will win the MVP, but if he hits 60 home runs, I think you are onto something that you will you'll get a narrative push for Olsen. I'm not saying he's going to hit 60 home runs, but that is the pace he is now on. Um, and uh, I mean, he is now, I would say, pretty likely to break the single season franchise record, which is Andrew Jones. He only needs eight more home runs in about six weeks, seven weeks. So that's probably going to happen. I'm not saying it's definitely yeah. going to happen, but it probably is. And uh yeah, his, his career high walk rate for Matt Olson. He is slugging 621 for the season. Uh, I mean, ludicrous stuff. So yeah, and his, his home runs don't just scrape the first row. Oh, no. I mean, he hits tanks. He hit one off a lefty on Sunday night, 455 feet. The Braves have that crazy 
number going with home runs longer than 450 feet. Um, you know, it's the Braves and then it's the Rockies who play in Coors Field and don't really count. But I mean, the Braves are just lapping the field and some with how far and how hard they hit the baseball. Um, yeah. And even in the last couple of days, I, you know, it's, it's probably a silly thing, but even like the national uh, media folks have really picked up on Matt Olson's run. Uh, he was featured quite a bit on the MLB Twitter and Instagram and all of those things. Uh, my buddy Jeff Passan uh, <laughs> brought attention to uh, Matt Olson's pace. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like over these next six weeks or so, it's really going to get some national traction. And it should because, I mean, a guy going for 60 home runs, I mean, I don't care what era you're playing in. That is an absurd amount of home runs for a guy. And as we've seen, too, he has not been home run or bust by any means. He is getting on base. He is way cut down on the strikeouts as well. And for a guy who hits the baseball and swings as hard as Matt does, for him to cut the strikeouts down, too, just all the better. Yeah, he and Ronnie both just uh, totally improving on their on their underlying numbers, uh, kind of leading to some massive breakouts. Has been fun. I mean, we'll move on, but I think it, it would have taken something like this to get Matt Olson, that kind of national thing, because he's like, you know, he's a, he's a funny, he's a fun guy, but like, he's not a huge, huge national name yet. But when you're leading the majors in home runs and you pass Shohei Otani to do that, that's going to get you a lot of notice and, uh, you know, yeah. putting up monster homers is yeah. the way to uh, do that. Um, other thing we should mention from Saturday, I guess, I guess two more things. Uh, how about the Nicky Lopez experience in the early game where he was, four hits in a home run and pitched the ninth inning uh heck of a kind of debut basically for Nicky Lopez on Saturday yeah. afternoon yeah I mean Nicky showed why he can be such a valuable bench piece this weekend I mean he had he had the four hits including the home run I believe the home run came off the position player from the Mets but at the end of the day they all count the same uh defensively he was really sharp as well he can really run the bases. He legged out a double and then came around to score as well. I think he went uh, first to home or maybe second to home on a bang bang play. That you know he, he's really a a valuable and versatile option. And as we saw on Sunday night, Ozzy Albies leaves. It was precautionary with cramps, but you know Nicky Lopez goes out there. The Braves really didn't have that that versatile utility man on the roster before the deadline. And he looks like a guy who has some real juice and will be on this roster the next couple of years. Uh, he has, I believe, two more years of arbitration control. And that's just the kind of guy you want on your bench. As as we outlined post-trade deadline, he's not someone who's really going to play all that much whenever the Braves are healthy and going right. But man, it is a nice insurance policy to have. It is. And you know, I'm not predicting that he becomes Orlando Arcia, but I had to look this up because Steven tweeted something out about the similarities in some respects. And um, this is so funny to me that Nicky Lopez and Orlando Arcia had almost exactly the exact same numbers at the plate in their two previous stops. Arcia, as I probably said a hundred times on this podcast, had a 70 WRC plus in almost 1900 plate appearances with the Brewers before he arrived in Atlanta, which is obviously very bad. Um, Nicky Lopez, 73 WRC plus in 1829 plate appearances with the Royals. They're basically the same. And Lopez had the one awesome season where he was a six-win player, which we laughed about a lot on that podcast two weeks ago. Arcia had the prospect pedigree as a hitter. Um, I'm not telling you that he's going to become Arcia and who's having a great season this year, but uh, they do have a lot of similarities, except for, uh, if anything, Lopez is supposed to be a better defender uh, across the board. So uh, a pretty interesting utility guy. And, of course, it's amusing now that like they – essentially are paying Arcia as the utility guy. He just happened to become the starting shortstop because they kind of had that and it's worked out great for them, but he's got a contract. That's a utility contract basically. And now they have two of the same guy. Yeah. And you know, with, with all due respect to good clubhouse vibes, Charlie Culberson, I mean, <laughs> Nicky Lopez gives the team something that Culberson does not. That is correct. <laughs> he has some real applicable skills on a baseball field and again, I mean, as we, I don't want to keep going back to the podcast post trade deadline, but he, he brings things to this organization that can be valuable. And, you know, he, he showed on Saturday afternoon that he can hit a little bit, 
a great glove. He's he's the uh, team's emergency reliever. It did seem like Orlando might get to be the uh, position player pitching in the bottom of the ninth. Um, I think uh, the Braves probably smartly didn't have Orlando Arcia pitch. You don't want him to hurt his shoulder or something like that, goofing around in a 21 to three game. Uh, but yeah, nice, uh, a really nice debut for Nicky Lopez. Yeah, great glove. Uh, he can run a little bit and all that fun stuff. The other thing from Saturday is Alan Wynan. So we talked about him a little bit in sort of the starting pitcher discussion earlier, but he was quite good on Saturday. Uh, seven innings, struck out nine, no runs. Um, you know, the bull- he saved the bullpen, which was huge. I don't know what that tells us big picture, but it was a badly needed start because of what we talked about earlier, like how bad the pitching was the first four days of the week and how much it taxed the bullpen. Wynan is now two starts, sub two ERA, good peripherals, um, looks great. He's been a little fortunate with like strand rate that kind of stuff, but like I think that he looks the part of a guy who could help them. And he was really good in Gwinnett too. Like not a huge pedigree guy. Like he's he's 28 years old. He, he just turned 28 this week. So happy birthday, to Alan Winans. But um, if it helps the Braves in the short term, that would be uh, very very nice. Yeah, and just a great story. Uh, I believe the broadcast booth mentioned and Justin Toscano of the AJC has a great article about Allen, uh, who in the off seasons to make ends meet works as a substitute teacher. Yeah. I don't know if you caught this, Brad, but just a, a great story. Uh, he goes by Mr. W because, uh, his last name is a little difficult to pronounce for kids. Um, I'm a sucker for guys with stories like that. People who are truly chasing their dreams and Hey man, for, for Allen to go out there and throw 111 pitches 80 of them were strikes. I mean, that that's tremendous for a team that was desperate for a, a start and to eat some innings. He struck out nine guys. I know the Mets lineup in the day game was not great. They rested a lot of guys. But, I mean, I don't care who you're facing. That's a Those are strong numbers. And, um, you know, he has very much put himself in consideration. And without a crystal ball, if you tell me that he's going to make another start next weekend instead of um, – Instead of Chirinos or just to give everybody a breather, maybe they work him up and, and you know, just as like a six man rotation of sorts for a little while, I'd be all for it. The stuff is fine. And and he's really given the team a nice boost here. I, I don't want to be on Twitter if the Braves announce that Chirinos is going to pitch in place of Winans this week. Yeah. I don't want to see. I don't want to see that. I mean, uh, I, yeah, no. I don't really want to see. <laughs> uh, but in general, uh, but in yeah. any way, really. Yeah. Like, I think we agree there. No, I. You know, uh, it does seem like they we've said before, but I've been a little bit confused. I, I think Chris and Steven said the same thing about like what they think of Soroka, because that's kind of the X factor. You know, Soroka, of course, has much more pedigree and that, you know, the story is we all know. Um, but the two of them, if you're choosing between the two of them, I don't know what they're going to do there. Maybe they listen to you and they give Charlie a week off or something like that. Like there are there are options but they also have some like roster challenges, which I think Chris and Steve did a great job going into in depth. We won't do that now, but they don't have super obvious mechanisms to like add guys to the roster, i.e. like Dylan Lee is kind of just like waiting in the wings right now, for instance. Um, they're a little bit hamstrung by just the transaction game. So I don't know what that means. And maybe that's part of why Soroka is where he is. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle all of this stuff, especially if the lead is this big. And we're not saying that's guaranteed, but if the lead stays this comfortable, they can be a little bit more adventurous, but, you know, and there's a little bit more wiggle room on September 1st. We're still, you know, 17 days away from that. So they're going to have some decisions to make in the next two plus weeks. Yeah. We, we might start seeing a, an injury injured list stint or two pop up. Um, you know, as you've outlined and even, you know, back in the day, the September rosters used to really expand. It used to be if you were on the 40 man, you could come up. Um, that's not the case anymore. You only add one pitcher and one hitter whenever they expand. And I mean, Dylan Lee, Jesse Chavez, if they want to bring up a starter in order to give everybody else a little more time off. Um, you know, there, there's just it, there is a lack of openings in the pitching staff right now. And most everybody is pitching well too, which is which is the problem. Other than we we talked about Elder and Morton, you know, I suppose uh, Colin McHugh. Is yeah, I, I was going to ask you about him because he's yeah. the one that uh, I think. Look, it's 
it's probably more results based, but um, I saw a lot of venom about Colin McHugh today from, from Braves yeah. fans. I think I think kind of earned. I will say, like he's not been he's not been very good this year. And another guy who is 36 years old, and this is the first time in a long time where his peripherals are not good. And I wonder if he's kind of cooked because, like, speaking of you know strikeout rate way down, walk rate up, doesn't look like his old self, and maybe that's not a great sign. But uh, yeah, other than him, it's not like the bullpen's having huge struggles. So. No. And if, you know, again, to use the scenario, if the World Series started tomorrow, I don't think Colin McHugh would be on the roster. I really which don't. Is, which is pretty wild, but I think you might be right. Uh, especially if, by all accounts, Dylan Lee is healthy and ready to go. He There's just no, there's nowhere to put him. So it sounds like the Braves who can keep Lee on his rehab assignment for 30 days, you know, they might have him just keep throwing in Gwinnett and throw back-to-backs and try to build up his arm strength a bit, go multiple innings, you know, all of those things. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't have much confidence in McHugh. And I say that as somebody who thought he was underrated last year. I mean, he had Agreed. really, really good numbers with the Braves in 2022. Before that, he was a really good reliever as well. Uh, but you mentioned his age and it just, it has not been the same. He, he can't get swings and misses. He isn't striking anybody out. The walks are up. I mean, he came into the bases loaded situation on Sunday night and literally couldn't throw the ball over the plate. Uh, that that's that is a problem for a guy who throws the ball in the upper 80s most of the time. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going long because that's what we do, but we we should at least talk about that entire sequence when they they had a lead tonight um, on Sunday after an Ozuna three run double in the first inning. And then I uh, give up six runs in the fifth between Chirinos and McHugh. We did discuss this earlier about how Chirinos stayed in probably a little bit too long. Um, I'm not sure why he, I, I couldn't believe honestly that he faced Narvaez after he walked Daniel Vogelbach, who's like very hard to walk. And he was obviously done at that point. And they let him face the next batter. And then they went to McHugh and like, uh, you know, I'm the first to point out that like, I, I don't love when you go to a lesser reliever and I do, generally like Colin McHugh, but um, I don't know if he would have been my choice in the base low situation there. It's a pretty high leverage spot. I know it was early in the game, relatively speaking, but it was a very high leverage situation and he imploded that entire inning, by the way, was four singles, three walks and a bizarre catcher interference call. That was that uh, six run inning in the fifth night. It was, you know, it was a frustrating inning. I do think this being the final game of, you know, eight games in seven days and, was it 11 straight on the road? I'm I'm sure without being in the clubhouse tonight, I would I would bet a good amount of money that that clubhouse is pretty worn down and itching to get home. And it's no excuse. You never want to punt a game or or you know whatever. But it was just one of those nights where Chirinos was left in too long because I'm sure Brian Stetker was trying to protect the bullpen. There's three more games coming up here. Uh, they travel and then have three against the Yankees. So it's not like they have tomorrow off and maybe you can be a little more aggressive. I'm sure that's what Snit was trying to do. And just that one inning was really the whole downfall of the night. Yes. And they got unlucky too. I think a little bit along the way, but McHugh uh, was not sharp. One more thing quickly about today before we look ahead to the week to come is that Ozzy always left the game tonight. The Braves, uh, I thought it was ironic. They, They moved very quickly to announce that it was precautionary with some cramping in his left hamstring. I'm not sure if you heard this, Scott. Did you hear the ESPN broadcast um, kind of recklessly speculating that he was pulled oh for not God. hustling? <laughs> like, yeah. Ozzy doesn't – that would that would have been – it would have been different if it was – look, okay, let's use Ronnie as an example. Ronnie has had that happen in the past, so it would have been a little bit more understandable to bring that up for if it was Ronnie. Ozzy has never – unless I'm blanking on something, Ozzy's never had that issue in his entire career, so why would he have been – why would that have happened now? It was absolutely bizarre. I hated yeah. it. Yeah, Carl Ravitch was like out for blood. <laughs> I don't know what it was, man. He was jacked up. Um, yeah, I mean, thankfully, it was just cramping. And um, Snit, by the way, echoed that. And I'm looking at the post game now on Twitter. Uh, Snit said the same thing on just cramping. They they yeah. wanted no uh, take no chances. So he looks to be okay. Fingers crossed. Like I, we were all pulling Von Grissom stats, getting ready to go. So uh, hopefully okay. that's not the case. But hey, you know what it is. hey, shout out Von Grissom. He's been good. He's been really good in Gwinnett. Uh, yeah, and even even Orlando Arcia in the ninth inning took kind of an awkward swing, might have tweaked his knee a little bit, but seemed to be okay. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, thank, I mean, obviously, the last thing this team wants is to lose Ozzy Albies for any period of time. I have to so, ask you one question, by the way, on this. Yeah. So we just laid it out. We expect Ozzy to be fine. I was going to ask you if we didn't know. For one second, let's just assume in a world where Ozzy has to miss two weeks. Do you play Nicky Lopez every day or do you play Von Grissom at second base? Uh, Nicky Lopez. Easy. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's very easy. It's easy For call. me, it's more interesting at second than at short. If Arcia was out, it's Lopez. It's not even close. I think it's more interesting at second because I think Vaughn would be better at second than short. And his bat is better. I still agree with you. I yeah. think there's a little bit of a distinction because I kind of trust Vaughn more at second. We saw that last year. He was pretty okay there. Um yeah. And, I, and of course, I had that thought because it was Ozzy that was banged up tonight, but he said too much Garcia. I think Lopez would definitely be the case at short. Uh, I think it's still Lopez in second, but I'd be intrigued. And hopefully it doesn't matter, to be honest, but just yeah. hypothetical. And, and no, it, it's a good, I mean, before the trade deadline, that would have been not even a hypothetical, but something that was happening, right? I mean, yeah. I think some would have immediately been the call. Uh, Braden well, well, I was about to say, Scott, did, did you not remember uh, March Spring training legend Braden Shoemaker was going to it was going to start at shortstop for this for this team this year. Um, yeah, I'm looking up Shoemaker's numbers right now. Last they're, I looked, they're not they're not good. <laughs> they were not good. Spoiler. Um, oh boy, no, they're not good. So um, to answer your question, and if if you know, just looking ahead over these final six weeks, if something does happen, I think Nicky Lopez would be sent out there just about every day. Uh, you know, we we highlighted his offensive numbers the last few years have not been great, but I don't think the Braves care. In in the case where let's say they want to give Ozzy even a couple days off just to catch his breath and you know or whatever the circumstance is, uh, Lopez batting ninth, he's going to catch the ball. He has some speed. He has some good um, hand eye coordination. I mean, he, he puts the ball in play to his credit. Uh, but no, I, I do think as good as Vaughn Grissom has played, especially lately, I think the Braves want to let him finish up the year with Gwinnett. It's been a successful year for Grissom. Um, you know, despite all of the uncertainty in the spring and really just let Nicky Lopez take over if the situation arises. Can someone get Vaughn Grissom a left field glove for the love of God? Um, okay, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. I think that might be an off-season project. Oh, I hope so. Um, I understand it's not, I'm not saying that it has to happen, but that's that's what I would do. Okay, Scott, let's look ahead of the week because we've gone long. Um <laughs> They have to play again tomorrow, which is just wild to me after the eight-game, seven-day turnaround plus the night game. They play the Yankees and uh, the struggling New York Yankees for three games at home, and then they finally have an off day Thursday, and then the Giants come to town. Uh, The Yankees, Scott, are not – they're not awful, I should say. They're being discussed like they're awful, and they're not, but they're also not good. And uh, they're very uninspiring for Yankees standards. I know they missed Aaron Judge for a long time, but uh, it's been about as mid – as a Yankees team has been in my lifetime. It's, it's been an adventure. In your words, these are not your older brothers, New York Yankees. They are not. They are about 500 lately. They have really struggled. Um, They are 19th as a team in WRC plus. They're actually 24th in pitching war, which is crazy while having Garrett Cole on the team. So that's even harder. Garrett Cole, who might win Cy Young in the American league. And, as a bonus, the Braves will not see Garrett Cole this week. He pitched on Sunday in Miami. Uh, you know, Atlanta's going to see Clark Schmidt, who is a solid righty, uh, the the corpse of Luis Severino, which is really kind <laughs> of a bummer because injuries have just crushed him. Very talented kid who just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And then a rookie named Randy Vasquez, who I uh, admittedly did not look into very much. Um, so yeah, I mean the Yankees, this is not the, uh, the team from even a couple years ago that was just mashing and, uh, really had it going, but it should make for a fun atmosphere at Truist Park these next three nights. You know, there's going to be a Yankees contingent, which always oh, yeah. brings a lot of buzz to the park. And, uh, hopefully the Braves, even though they're going to get home at like 3 a.m. on Monday morning after the long road trip, hopefully able to get home, take it, you know, take two out of three against New York and then having a much needed off day at home on Thursday. School is back in here. And that sometimes can be a little bit challenging for people to get to the ballpark. That will not be a, an issue with, with the Yankees in town this week. I'm I'm pretty, pretty certain that'll be a jam packed atmosphere. Down spend, we have to encourage all of our New York Yankee friends to spend their money 
to bring Shohei Otani to Atlanta this <laughs> no, it's probably not going to happen but uh, I don't I don't think so I think it's your money listen uh maybe we'll do a whole pod in November about Shohei Otani let's that'd be just 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 to do it and have fun with it but yeah I'm, I'm with you um and they again get a merciful off day on Thursday that they're going to need at home with no travel uh that's the favorite of the players where they're actually off without travel that's uh, always a fan, uh, a player favorite. But anyway, the Giants come to town over the weekend. The Giants are pretty good. They're not incredible, but they're number two in the wild card race, I believe, right now. Um, could see them in October. Uh, the Giants are been a weird last couple of years. Like they they had that season a few years ago where they just won every close game and they won like a hundred what was it, hundred and eight games, something like that. They were just yeah, out of their minds. Crazy. And they and then they then they regressed hard, and now they're just like mm, they're pretty good. They're not their roster's not incredible, but they are they're generally like well constructed and they have a bunch of like pretty good players that are underrated and that'll be a a tough series not not an insurmountable one i think we'll probably what we should see at least um i believe we'll see freed and strider over the weekend because freed's pitching monday so uh that's helpful in that series but we'll see yeah the giants you look at their roster and you're like man how are these guys winning games in a in a pretty good National League West too? You know, it's not yep. like they're in the American League Central. It's like, yeah, they're playing awful teams for sixty percent of their games, right? Yeah. How about they're they're seven games ahead of the Padres, and those rosters are like hilariously different. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, go look at like a, a FanGraphs leaderboard of the Giants lineup. It's like Thyro Estrada, old friend Jock Peterson is there. I'm sure he's going to get a big ovation over the weekend, as he should. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Love Jock. Um yeah, so again, if if the season was over tomorrow, the Giants and the Phillies would play in the wild card series and the winner would play the Braves. So a real chance to see a, a good uh, pretty good Giants team. The Braves actually fly across country the following weekend and play the Giants in San Francisco. So we will see a lot of them over these next few weeks uh, and should be a a good series. I feel like the Giants Despite their ups and downs over the years, I think it's one of the better run organizations and they just seem to get the most out of whoever is on the roster. They do indeed. So uh, not the easiest week, nor the hardest. I do want to point out like the Braves have a pretty big pitching advantage on Monday with free on the mound, but uh, they will be gassed after that travel. So that's something that'll be interesting to kind of follow how they bounce back from that, from that. But, you know, back at home, better team in uh in six and six games so i think an opportunity to stack some wins this week but not nothing is like screaming at you they're not they're not playing the rockies or anything like this anything like that so i uh would not expect six and oh but i think it'll be a pretty good spot nonetheless yeah yeah and uh you know again another week down uh we're getting i know matt olson was on the uh pardon my take podcast and even he was talking about this is just the dog days of august oh yeah every team and even when you're on a really good roster a good clubhouse, all the things the Braves have, uh, you know, this is, this is tough for players, especially for teams that virtually have guaranteed themselves the playoffs. Um, you know, and then again, as you noted, these are, these are professionals. They go out there, they try to win every single day, but this is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a tough time to get jacked up for games in the middle of August when you've been going every single day for, you know, almost six months now going back to spring training and workouts and knowing that you have big, important baseball games on the horizon in September and hopefully deep into October. 45 games remaining for the Braves, uh, almost three quarters of the way done with the season. Uh, we're getting there, and you and I are um, really in the throes of the dog days as well, Scott. I know it's really taxing for us compared to the players in the field. We have to talk once That's a week right. on this won't, podcast. Won't somebody think of the podcasters, Brad? It's we eleven. It's eleven thirty p.m. Eastern time. I mean, come <laughs> on. What are, we, what are we doing here? No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're we're just fine, um, and we'll have more with us in the near future. Scott, anything you'd like to plug? Please feel free to do so at the end of the podcast. Uh, I might start calling you exclusively Big Twelve Scott Coleman, but other than that, anything else going on? That's right. Um, Big Twelve. What a time to be alive. <laughs> uh, no, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us on these dog days of August. We really do appreciate all the support. Um, Be sure to follow the site. Check it out, batterypower.com. Tons of great content, news, game previews, recaps, the minor league stuff, which is just something you really can't find anywhere else on the net for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, And yeah, we'll be back next weekend, Brad. Should be a big week ahead. 
we will. Thanks for doing the plugs for me. And one more time, everyone, please subscribe and auto download and all that fun stuff on the podcast. Spread the word for us. That's all we can ask you to do. In addition to listening is to just tell a friend or two or three and share social media. It's uh, definitely appreciated. We'll have much more content this week from Sean, and Chris, and Stephen, and us and all that stuff. You get all that on one podcast feed. So thanks for listening, everybody. We really do appreciate it. As always, see you all next time.